TalkZone.com Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet light-hearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, thanks everybody for joining us here on a beautiful Friday in the fine city of Chicago. Great sports weekend coming up. We got lots to talk about here from uh, baseball to, of course, the Masters Golf Tournament. Big day yesterday. We'll talk about some of the low scores, some of the high scores, and all of the scores in between. We'll talk a little bit uh, off the sports page action as well. We got NBA basketball, NHL playoffs uh, coming up. Plenty of action to talk about. And again, busy, busy. Sports Weekend. Big Dog and a Coach with you. And of course, you will be entertained on occasion by our award-winning music as per capita. God bless you. All right, welcome in. Let's bring in my good partner via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. If I had a Kleenex or a tissue, my friend, I'd give it to you, but uh, we can do a lot of things on the Internet right now. We can't pass tissue. I'm sure that's coming. It's the nasally congested. Big Dog Redwanski joining in. Big Dog, how are you? Uh, doing all right this morning, Coach. I got to tell you something. The boys came to my house after uh, the show yesterday. Yep. And I, I I fixed a major part of my fence, and I got to be quite honest with you, I really didn't realize I had the testicular fortitude to do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, when you're a man, you can learn how to do stuff like pour concrete and and get and get the right angles on a on a fence post like mm-hmm. a lot quicker than you might think you could. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't. It probably would take me like ten years to learn how to crochet. <laughs> But like five minutes later, I was learning. I knew how to put up a fence post. Oh, that sounds good. You got my juices flowing a little bit. That actually, I never thought of that. But suddenly, I have the urge to put up a fence and possibly, God forbid, pour some concrete. I'm not kidding. You girls were still, like old women were stopping and whistling at me uh-huh. while I was doing it. I mean, it was it's a little strange. Did you I have mean, a... women find the the weirdest things? You know. Uh, Attractive, yeah, to be quite I, honest that's with you, probably true, and I'm sure they say the same thing about us. So it all works both ways. A bit of digging in a couple of fence posts works for you, big dog. Whatever it takes, my friend, to get the juices flowing. In our old age, sometimes you got to uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. You know? Yeah. Well, my juices are flowing, coach, but my back ain't working. Oh. <laughs> I, I got no cartilage around my SI joint. Uh-oh. You know, and I can barely move the last yep. couple of days for some reason. So, like when when the fellas couldn't do it yesterday, mm-hmm. I wasn't exactly in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. Then they kept, showed up, and I'm like, oh no! But I don't know. So yeah. today, I'm basically I can't move. I can't bend over. Can't do anything. You know, and you you can work out. You can be in good shape. People that exercise know this, and you can be in perfectly good shape. But if you do an exercise or a physical activity that's different. <laughs> From one you've normally done. Yesterday, you're pouring concrete, pounding fences in, lifting things. It's a different kind of exercise, and despite the fact you're in good condition, you will still be sore because you're using different musculature. Would you uh, agree with that, Dr. Joel Redwanski? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, like this back injury was something from totally something else. So I really don't know how sore the rest of my body is because Mm -hmm. since my back is locked up, I can't move anything else. It's not good. Which, uh... Lower spinal area, middle spinal area. Do you have any particular? Is like the T3 through the T7? Well, well no. What happened was my my uh, my last lumbar region has had a tiny oh little crack on it when Uh-oh. I was. 
not born, but like I don't mm-hmm. know what happened. But uh, my SI joint, the joints that are like in like three inches on each side of your spine, right on your hip. Yep. You know what I'm talking about, right Con- there. Connecting to the sacro something bone. Yeah, like on your yep. butt. Yeah. So they're, 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 the you have two of them, and they're each about three inches away from your spine. If you're mm-hmm. a real tiny person, about two and a half inches. Yeah. If you're like Yao Ming, like seven. Yeah. Well, mine's about. I don't want to brag. Mine's about four inches. That's impressive, coach. Thank you. Really, I was I mean, talking I, about the muscle connecting to the sacrilegious bone. That's <laughs> just want to make sure in case anybody goes back in the archives of the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, the, the sacrilegious bone is that uh, I, I haven't the, heard it's, of that. It's, it's the sacra something I threw in the the delicious just to make it sound official. It's the it's the sacra something. I forgot the last part of it, but uh, okay. Don't okay. don't mess with me, big dog. I'm a, a, you know solid B student, anatomy 001, Tulane University, with fellow pre-doctoral students. So I know what I'm talking about. If you want to know where the sternocleidomastoid muscle is, I can uh, send you the proper region for that also. Okay, well, just to show you how when you don't know what you're doing, yep. you, things can be awful difficult when you're doing it. So uh, <laughs> when Joe comes, he's like, I'll be able to help you guys later. You're going to have to do this, 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 and this, and go. I'm like, all right, that sounds phenomenal. Yeah. So we have to dig out the old concrete that's Uh-oh. already in the ground in order to lay the new posts for the parts of the fence that uh, were, were knocked down by Mother Nature this winter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we have to dig out the concrete that's already in the ground, Coach. Oof. You know how difficult that is? Yeah, digging is not good. Digging out concrete cannot be an enjoyable uh, exercise. Well, we're doing it. We're doing it. And, you know, I'm like, Brian, you know, we're making really good progress considering what's going on here. And he's like, yeah, no problem. I'm like, let's go in and get some lunch. We go get some lunch, watch the beginning of the White Sox game. Mm-hmm. That's basically what we wanted to do. You watch the first inning or two while, you know, might as well see the first yeah, inning. Home, home opener, you catch all the festivities. David Price having a little bit of problems in the first inning, and so did Sam Fold, former Cub, line drive yep. rocket hit by Alex Rios. He doesn't play it right, and uh, that's you know, ended up being the difference because the Sox had a cushion the rest of the game. Okay, so, uh, well, anyways, when we walk back out there, there's this giant, like, I'm not kidding you, like, six-foot metal pole that has a flat side at the end and a point at the other end. And I looked at Brian, I just shook my head. I'm like, Brian, we're supposed to be using this to knock the concrete out. <laughs> he picks it up and takes like 60 pounds. <laughs> I, walk, he hands me, I walk over to the hole, I drop it in the hole, and the concrete just broke apart. Uh, <laughs> we had, but so other than that, the rest of the yeah. But it was still pretty cool to be able to take one of those 60-pound rods and mm-hmm. slam it. As hard as you can into something, coach. Uh-huh. Now, don't you? I know, like when you oh, shoot, a, when you shoot a gun, you get like that that backlash. Uh, and I've never operated heavy machinery as you have. So, two questions for you: A, aren't you supposed to have a license to work that thing? At least what I'm hearing you describe. And B, did you get the backlash at you? Did it knock you down a couple times? No, before? no, no, coach. You got to understand, this is like something that you can have in your garage. You might have this in okay. your garage right now. and had no idea why your dad had it. All right. So this is not like the big construction thing, drilling into no, the ground. No, no. Like- this isn't a jackhammer gun. You know, a jackhammer, okay. is, is, and I've worked one of those things before. And mm-hmm. the speed, make sure you're, that's, that's very difficult. Yep. I, I, I've worked a lot of that stuff before. but not, This is just a rod, a really, really heavy steel rod. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I literally just dropped it on the concrete and it just busted apart. But, I, I mean, on some of them you had to really hit it. And uh, so I thought you were saying... The power of hitting some with a gun. Well, the power of hitting some with a metal rod is mm-hmm. actually a lot of fun when these things wow. just like yeah. break apart. And it's, it was pretty fun. Huh. 
Sounds like something the whole family could enjoy. Are those uh, oh, when, when the power rods available for, you know, maybe they could sell them like a Target or Kmart. I had sudden urge to go out and give that a try. Well, just build a new patio, Coach. Oh, so you got to have concrete first to break it up, huh? Well, I guess there's stuff yeah. you can do with it because, like, like, the wood posts that were in the actual concrete, when you mm-hmm. hit one of those, with a rock, the splinters would go everywhere. It was a lot of fun and banging mm-hmm. on stuff with right. sledgehammers. Nobody outside of your muscle soreness and an injured sacrilegious muscle, uh, no other injuries, no other uh, situations where the insurance company might be called. Everybody came out okay? Uh, Well, we're going to call the insurance company in a couple months when we actually knock the whole thing down so they can (laughs) replace it. So we just wanted to fix the couple posts that need to be done immediately. Yeah. What are you putting up fences for, anyways? That's the problem with America. We're we all putting pool. up fences, we separating ourselves from the our Don't neighbors. Even get me started. We the need to. City we of Aurora wants to get in your life on every. St- we have a pool, so we have to have a fence, or else we'd have uh, to. Yeah. So don't even get me started. Yep. Okay. The city of Aurora wants to tell you how to live your life every other way. Another government that thinks to, mm-hmm. oh, we want to save everybody. <laughs> Coach, I've had people knock on my door to tell me to cut a bush because. Uh, somebody couldn't see an angle yeah. on the street when yeah. they were coming up. I'm oh. not kidding you. Oh, and to cut that bush, there's a $25 uh, uh, surcharge fee payable to the city of Aurora. Thank you very and, much. And Or you could pay it in cash to me for 20 yeah. bucks, and I can rip it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and I'm not kidding, Coach. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. All governments want to come in and tell you how to live your life. Just get away from me. Well, you're talking about it. it at a local level, and I'm sure you're well aware, Big Doe. We are a sports talk show, but we jump off. The sports page early and often. Two guys at a mic talkzone.com. Big dog and a coach at your service. But big dog, I'm sure you're aware on the national scale. Uh, not only are local governments struggling, but we have an apparent, uh, the clock is ticking. And I think tonight is the night when it might tick tock tick, uh, for a government shutdown. I'm not sure if you're pro. I'm pro shutdown. You are pro shutdown. <laughs> I, I want it completely and utterly shut down for good. Not sure okay. anybody. You're not. You're not sure you're supposed to be pro shutdown because, I mean, there are things like well, like you know, homeland security. You don't want to see that shut down. Um, you know, some national security issues like that. Possibly our military. I heard that they might not be getting paid. So, it can sound rather trite and semi humorous to say that, but in effect, there's some real concerns if it does. Well, I let me see. Uh, well, nobody that is uh, in regular non-law enforcement uh-huh. or uh, military uh, services should not uh, right. be getting paid any money. Right. So, like, if if you're sitting in the city of Chicago right now on your butt getting paid uh, $47 an hour to do yep. nothing, yep. I mean, I know that the city of Chicago pays them, but no, I don't feel sorry for any government worker. Yeah, They've basically not- been holding this country up for the last... 40, 50 years. All right, so Joel Rodwanski coming out, folks. He's pro-shutdown. You are supporting the shutdown of our national government. So many people, so many government workers have been fleecing uh, the American people for years, and yeah. it's been really disgusting. Yeah, some of, them, basically- some of them senators and governors. Oh, and it starts with them, and it goes all the way down to people mm-hmm. that could be doing the same job for 15 bucks an hour instead of getting paid 60, and, and we're on the hook for it as a taxpayer. Mm-hmm. And we're wondering why... We can't get road sticks or our children educated. Uh, support the government shutdown.com, folks. You can give us a call if you support this uh, case. You want to join the big dogs bandwagon, uh, jump on. There's plenty of room. 888-463-6748. Keep the shutdown going. It hasn't officially started, but once it does, the big dog will be uh, supporting 
the continuance of the government shutdown. I, I hope you have a um, long and prosperous committee following you, Big Dog, and this great support. Uh, well, I'm really I'm, I'm afraid to because you know they'll probably start like garnishing my wages and stuff. But considering mm-hmm. I don't really make anything, I'm not yeah. worried about it. Really, that's not there's not a lot of garnish there. That's like throwing uh, one of those little pickles on the White Castle hamburger. Yeah, that's the type of garnish I like, by the way. Oh, I love that pickle. Yeah, very slight garnish. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but that white, and the White Castle, those, what is it, like the freeze-dried onions that they basically just pour in water and then they all of a sudden become instant onion? But boy, do they taste good. No, i got to be honest with you, Coach. I haven't been to White Castle in at least okay. 10 it's, years. At least 10. It's, and, and for the previous 15 years before that, I can't remember the nights that I actually went to White Castle. Oh, man. You can't even remember, like, the one pickle? That they put right in the middle, hopefully the middle of your White Castle burger. It's only one, but boy, is it a good pickle. I do remember the pickle yeah. being a pretty good pickle. Yeah. And the onions, if you need better recollection, you've been to a ball game, and you, you know the little crank machine where the onions come out of? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You've got to be really careful because if one gets clogged up in there and you really crank on it, <laughs> they'll shoot out at you. Yeah, that happened. And, you'll be, you, and you will look like one of those onion buns is what you'll look like when you get done. Yeah, not a pretty sight. And, and you, nobody will want to sit next to you. That actually happened to me with a mustard machine at the ball game. And I don't want to get into that. But that's exactly what the onions I taste like. Game? Was huh? I at that game? Was I at that game at uh, Schomburg Alexian nope. Field? Nope. Nope. This oh, was, that uh, this was me at that game, and you told me that story. Possibly. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, because it happened at Soldier Field. One of those uh, mustard things, you know, the little uh, the push in the big jar. And nothing yeah. came out, and nothing came out, and nothing came out, and then it had it passed gas, shall we say. Yeah, you, you, would, you should be lucky, because if it was ketchup, you'd always have some, you know, a Chicago bear thing. This is mm-hmm. Chicago, that's why you only put mustard on your hot dog. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, now that we cover the government shutdown, I almost said something else there. Hey, ho, Blue 42. Uh, the fixing of your fence in the backyard and White Castle onions and pickles and mustard containers at the ball game. Are we ready, Big Dog? I'm sure there might be other things on your plate, but are we ready yet to talk uh, the sports day yesterday and, of course, a big weekend upcoming? Coach, I'm, I, I'm always ready because there's plenty going on right now. Mm-hmm. The, the Bulls are, have, are basically have clinched. The magic number is one, which basically means they cannot be passed. Yep. But I did not know this. Boston owns the tiebreaker against the Bulls. How did that happen, Coach? Don't yeah. know, because if it's head-to-head, certainly the Bulls have beaten Boston more this yeah. year. Yeah, I know, because like last night I was trying to tell Cloudy, I was like, because he's like, no, they said they haven't clinched. I'm like, well, the magic number is one, which means that they cannot be passed. You know, that, that best they can tie. And I know right. they beat the Heat 3-0, and and I was pretty sure they had beat the Celtics like 2-1 or, or, or 3-0. Mm-hmm. I thought so as well. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, checking that out. We will get some, uh, we don't call it confirmation on this show. We call it confirmation. But we'll get that in a minute. But the Bulls uh, look like either way, head-to-head, they're probably not going to need it. They're going to wrap up that first-place yeah. finish. They just have to win one of their last four games. Uh-huh. So that, that's, that's going to happen. One of, uh, in recent years, Big Dog, I think we can go back in time and probably pick up some more surprise teams. But I think in the last decade, maybe the last 15 years, one of the biggest surprises as far as a team finishing with the best record in their conference in the NBA. You know, that's a really, really, you're, you're right, coach, cause you know, I always tell you the difference. Like, I'll be more than happy in April to pick who's gonna 
have the best record in each league, but trying to pick the World Series, that's, that really is a different ball ballpark. Mm-hmm. It's easier to figure out who's going to have the best record over an 82-game schedule yep. because the best teams you know, will fall on the line, but figuring out matchups and all that other stuff, it's pretty yeah, difficult. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm just trying to remember a recent memory, the surprise team. And now in the playoffs, we've had some teams get on a run, but a regular season jump into the front of their conference. Maybe I'm not no, thinking one, right. but I, I can't remember a surprise team. No, no, you're exactly right. And when you're talking in uh, in basketball, I would have to say the only team that really grabbed that surprise spot would be the the Dallas Mavericks in 06. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that would be like the greatest surprise, coach, because that was after Nash. You remember, and they were supposed yep. to fall apart. Yep. And besides that, coach, I'm going way back. The, the Lakers and the Spurs and the, the Trailblazers, none of those teams were surprised whatsoever. In the, in the 90s, mm-hmm. the Rockets, the Jazz, and uh, the Supersonics. And, and let's admit, the, the Bulls <laughs> winning the most games in the league every year obviously wasn't a surprise whatsoever. And in the 80s, absolutely not. There was not one surprise team at all with the most wins in the 80s. So the biggest surprise... I, the seventies, I have to admit, coach, I can't. I know who won all the titles, but mm-hmm. I can't say one hundred percent who won each individual year mm-hmm. for best record in in their conference. Yeah. So, I, so since nineteen eighty, the Dallas Mavericks in 06, besides this Chicago Bulls team, would have been the biggest surprise that year for the the, the most conference mm-hmm. win. Been a lot of fun to watch here in the city of Chicago, and I think fans across the NBA and uh, even internationally, as the sport starts to. Uh, edge more, more worldwide. I think I've enjoyed the Chicago Bulls. A very likable team, almost, uh, anti to what we see in so many professional sports. Producer David Olson has some info off of the Talk Zone's famous internet. Yeah, I, I, I don't say this very often, but I Uh-oh. think, uh, Big Dog's got some bad information. Uh-oh. Because there's no way the, the, the Celtics would win the tiebreaker over the Bulls. The Bulls have okay. them in every single category. Well, maybe the tie... Oh, okay. I was going to say maybe every, it's no, not every single category. Every okay. single category. By the way, by the way, I just want to let you know, David Olson, thank you very much for clarifying that because you basically helped win an argument for me. I just didn't want to go on here and say they have clinched because we could not find anywhere where the Celtics tiebreaker was. We couldn't find those that information. And I was trying to assure everybody in the room the Bulls have clinched no matter what happens. The Bulls are going to have the best record in the East. Mm-hmm. Areas so the, where the, the Celtics... NBA, by the way, the NBA has not acknowledged it yet, David, just to let you know. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, I, don't know, I don't know why they haven't, though. I mean, I, I, they've, got, I agree. They, they've got identical conference records, uh-huh. okay, divisionally. Uh, the, that doesn't matter. Well, yeah, but the, I mean, the Bulls are 14-1 and one in their division. Uh-huh. There are a couple areas, if it comes down, we don't know what the exact head-to-head is, but there are a couple areas where the Boston Celtics would come out ahead in head-to-head. A, uh, coaches playing coaches, a one-on-one battle between head coaches. A two, if it's head-to-head on tattoos. Three, if it's head-to-head on trash-talking. What about girth? Girth or percent body fat, I think. So there are some areas, I haven't read the rule book, where the Boston Celtics could... <laughs> Advance over the. I don't know if those are the okay. categories they go but, to. But but I I have no idea why the NBA has not said already the Bulls have officially clinched because mm-hmm. they they have. I mean David has said it, and trust me, before I was on air, I was in an argument with somebody. Said so there's no way that the Celtics can mm-hmm. beat the Bulls in the in the in the what do you call them the tiebreakers. So, okay. 
I, I, so, David, I'm with you, by the way, and I did not yep. mean to mislead anybody, but I didn't want to go on air being not 100% correct. If the info is between David Sir of the NBA or David Olson of the TalkZone.com. I'm going with our guy, David Olson. Sorry. Yeah, and the Bulls only have to, if the Bulls win one more game, yep. yeah. they clinch. That's yeah, it. It, then the magic number is zero, yeah. which is, yeah. which is, when the magic number is one, that means at worst, you tie. That's what one means in the magic number. And then once the seeds are done, just like the NCAA tournament, it doesn't mean a whole lot, and then you got to play the games. But yes. I don't mean to write, you know me in my theory, they should take great pride in the fact that they finish with the best record of the regular season. Whatever happens in the playoffs, they've got that in their mantle. I'm not one of those guys that say, hey, who cares if they finish number one seed if they lose, lose their first playoff game? Hey, the Indiana Pacers could get hot. The 76ers could get hot, knock off the Bulls who suddenly get cold. It would be a major disappointment, but you can't take away a tremendous 82-game regular season. No, no, no. You, let, let's, let's backtrack a little bit, Coach. And I do agree with you about the fact that you can't take away an 82-game season, especially for a surprise team and a team that did yes. it for the first time. But if they lose to the Pacers, it'll be extremely disappointing. I, I said but, that. Yeah, yeah, I said it will yeah, be a great disappointment. But I, I will tell you this, like, there Next year, the Bulls will be different story. totally, totally measured, yep. completely measured on how deep they go in the playoffs. Yep. No matter what happens, just because yep. expectations now for mm-hmm. the Bulls are totally different. They are an elite team. And and what you were saying, Coach, getting back to the point before we all interrupted you, was uh, including yourself, by the way. <laughs> um, they are a fun team to watch because, yeah, they have like the superstar, the explosive takeover game athlete, and he plays in the team concept. All the time. And sometimes it seems like he's forcing it, but I don't think he's forcing it for his own numbers. It seems like Derrick Rose is out there, okay, let's win the basketball game, and he just plays it. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as that for him. So I think that's what people really like about it. And the fact that people hate the Celtics. People hate the Lakers. People hate the Knicks. There's a lot of teams, and the people hate the Heat. So all of a sudden the Bulls are the team that we can like again. Oh, remember when I know I'm a I know I'm a diehard blankety blank fan, but when Jordan was with the Bulls, I love the Bulls. Well, now all of a sudden you have the Bulls, which are a real likable team. They're going to be America's team again in basketball, coach. So, I mean, they have all the right things working for them at the right time. A, a t- I mean, seriously, in 2011 to find an NBA team that truly is a team is refreshing, and that's why all of a sudden people are Nugget fans. I'm rooting for the Nuggets to win in the in the West. Just for the heck of it, but not on the same scale as the Bulls. Okay, this is the full-on clarification. Uh-oh, here we okay. go. Okay. okay, this is full, full frontal clarification here, Okay, folks. both You're 16, you should both have the Bulls the... and the Celtics have four games remaining. Mm-hmm. All four of both of their games are against divisional opponents. If the Bulls, you know, take the pipe and lose these last four, and the Celtics win their last four. And end up having the better record, or even the uh, tied record. The, the Celtics will end up having a okay. better record against divisional opponents than the Bulls. So won. that takes precedence over head-to-head. Correct. Interesting. Correct. Interesting. There you go, so big dog. So your your conference fr- record is more important yep. than head-to-head. Divisional, not conference. No, I'm sorry, I take that back. It's here's here's how the tiebreakers go. Okay. Number one is division winner. Number two is head-to-head record. Okay. Okay, uh, so then the Bulls would have the better head-to-head record than the than the Celtics would. What What have the Bulls and Celtics done this year? Head-to-head? Yeah. I would have to look okay. into that. 
Yeah, yeah because the division winner, like the Bulls and Celtics, are in different divisions. So division, so that so basically, what well, it, 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 it's it, it's going to it's going to come down to conference. That's yeah, what that's, that's what the tiebreaker okay. is. And if the bull, if the Celtics manage to overtake the Bulls or tie the Bulls, they're going to have the better conference record. Okay. Okay, that makes sense now. Now, now explain that way, David. Now it makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean. All the Bulls have to do is win one more game and they clinch one the more whole game. thing. Yeah. That's it. Put an end to all that discussion, ladies and, and they, gentlemen. They have Cleveland on the schedule, everybody. Just Take so it easy. Everybody know Cleveland is on the Bulls' schedule in the Take last four games. Take it easy. Cavaliers are getting hot. They're playing better basketball. Beat the Heat about a week ago. They're celebrating in the city of Cleveland. That's not an automatic victory anymore. Anybody that would like transcripts of David Olson's um, breakdown of the divisional and conference tiebreaker system, you can write us here at thetalkzone.com. I'm not sure what the address is, but email us at Mike two guys at AOL.com and we'll send you the correct address MIC and the number two Mike two guys at AOL.com I'm exhausted after that uh, mental exercise but I don't like working my brain that hard this morning well I'm just glad it, it, it's been clarified yes I still would like to know what the Bulls and Celtics have done head to head this year mm-hmm. uh, real quick before we what? leave the Chicago Bulls the unveiling of the Scotty Pippen uh, Scotty Pippen statue or bust, or whatever the hell it is. It could be up on the 100-level concourse of the United Center. Your thoughts? I know you're a big Scotty Pippen guy. I think he's well-deserving of a statue, even though statues are becoming a little passe, are they not? Uh, yeah, yeah, statues are passe. And then every once in a while, when you get one of your athletes and icons to actually get one, yep. it's they deserve it. It's awfully, awfully cool. So, and, and Scotty Pippen's is inside, and it's also... Uh, a painted statue. Mm-hmm. I almost said a colored statue, but I won't get anybody upset me. <laughs> okay, it's a, it's a painted statue. It looks phenomenal, by the way, because it looks mm-hmm. totally different. At first, I thought it looked kind of cheesy, and then I looked at it because it was just the color from the the spotlight. It's like it's it's done like kind of like in a rustic motif, not like a cheesy mm-hmm. motif. It's hard to explain. It looks really cool. I can't wait to see it in person. Yep. And by the way, anytime you get to see uh, Mrs. Pippen wearing a a miniskirt cocktail dressed and some high heels and walking around good. the court. That, that was worth it. Awfully okay. good. Words of ex-coach Chuck Daly, the dearly departed Detroit Piston coach. Awfully good. Wow. Done good for yourself. <laughs> Scotty Pippen is not a handsome man, and to have a, a freaking nine walking around on his arm is pretty impressive. I don't care if he was in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yes, David. Uh, two and two. Ah! Oh, that's that's why that's why it comes down oh, to the division. about that, Mel Allen Thank would say. you. Thank you. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's, that's Boston. Boston won the first two early in the season in uh, November and December. See that? And the Bulls won in January and there March. There you go. Okay. There's some full frontal statistics coming at you via the uh, website here at thetalkzone.com. Big dog breaking it down. Breaking it down. No, now it's wow. totally explaining because I thought I, I thought they played three times and I remember two wins by the Bulls. I was I was like, what the heck is going on here? Is the mm-hmm. NBA just trying to have us? Think that the, these games are still important? You know, do you know what I mean? I wasn't sure what was going on. Okay. Emailer, no, last uh, night's win was huge. It was huge. It was, oh no, last yeah. night's win was gigantic. Yeah, I, what I meant, David, why was, was it gigantic? The, the, coach, they I were, think it really said something because the Celtics needed that game in the two-three port part. The Bulls really didn't need the game, but they needed to play well against the Celtics, and, yeah. and I think it said something because they they're going to be really confident when they play the Celtics next time because. Mm-hmm. They played one style of defense all night. 
They didn't change anything up, and they completely dominated the Celtics. All right, I'm going right. to throw a little bit of cold water on the Chicago Bull uh, celebration party championship number one seed. Uh, good feeling here. I hate to do that because you know I'm a Chicago Bull fan. Here's the theory I've had in the back of my mind, Big Dog. See if you're with me here. And it has to do with uh, a, a playoff ceiling and how much better you could play. My theory is that the Chicago Bulls have been jacked up all year long. they got a first-year coach, Tom Thibodeau, who has put his foot on the pedal right from the get-go, barely even playing his subs. He's finally getting a little trust in his subs. But the bottom line is, including last night, see if you're with me on this there, the Bulls are playing pretty close to as good as they can play. I don't think there's a whole lot more ceiling. Now, no, no, that's a good point. Right. I, I like, you're right. You're right. And then you got the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, and the Boston Celtics. I'm not saying they're not trying. They're playing. They're competing. Those guys are competitors. But there's a little space left between the level that they're at now and that high playoff ceiling. And I'm a little worried that those teams are going to jack themselves up in the Bulls. They'll be jacked up, but they've been jacked up all year long, and, and they won't be as able to go as high. Again, it's a depressing thought, but it's one that I've had. Sure. That's good analysis, Coach. Ain't no hell. Okay. But, uh, okay, now you threw cold water on me, and I'm going to throw cold water on, on you. Please. And here's what, here's after, what your, after your fence post discussion this morning, I could use a little cold water. You can tell me, oh, these teams have room to improve. But we know that the Bulls can play at that level. And they don't have to turn it on, an NBA slogan term. Remember that? Yep. When people would always say that, oh, we can turn it on. How often does that happen? About one out of ten times? Mm-hmm. This team doesn't have to turn it on. They're playing at that that level. And then all of a sudden, when you get the actual intensity of a playoff game, they will be able to step it up a little bit. The intensity will, instead of being like, okay, the coach has us playing really hard, it'll be like, okay, we're here. These are the prime lights. Oh, we're going to have to go 100%. Well, I'm used to this. Yep. This is no problem. Okay. So there you, you, you got it that way, coach. I'm going to stay positive, okay. optimistic, and we'll look at it that yeah, way. I like your way better, by the way. I, I like you, I, I'm hoping it comes to fruition, but uh, that, that is uh, habits. You do develop a habit, and it's mm-hmm. hard to break that's, the habit. That's, that's what I'm. Uh-huh. That's what I'm hoping. Is, okay. But then again, you know, I guarantee you, coach. So they got the habit now. If this, just say this team does go on a run where they go deep into the playoffs, like eight years in a row, mm-hmm. eventually they will be let. Well, you know, the Bulls will be good enough to let the gas pedal off the gas for a little bit and coast. Mm-hmm. So those, I, I do believe the Celtics and the Heat. And the Lakers are going to be able to okay. put them. You know, I mean, I do. I, I, I think they can get it up. Is what I'm saying. A uh, little NBA breakdown here. Dr. Joel Redwanski and the coach with you up until eleven o'clock. You want to check in via the phone lines? We highly encourage that. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. The way to do it again. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Lenny from Lombard emailing in Big Dog during the Scotty Pippen discussion and wants to know if you will ever have a statue or a bus outside the talk zone uh, offices here right off of Waukegan Road. I think that's a good th- – I don't think you're ready for a statue yet. No, no, don't forget. Don't forget, right across the street is the valley that I yes. used to work at. There you okay. go. And there's a kids' club that I'm sure something can be erected in. I think something was erected in. Yeah. Isn't that why you got fired? Yes, that's, that's <laughs> pretty much sums it up. You know, so, uh, uh, I, I could see that now, again. It's too early, but if you continue performing as you are, I could see six, seven, eight, nine years down the road. Yeah, the commander and I would need to continue to work out like uh, like I did back in the day when I was working there. So, because I, yep. I want that statue to be like, wow, you know. Well, no, no, I, I want the statue. I'm, I'm not talking to ballets. I want, I want it here. Well, if you could across the street, coach. 
We're well, going to make it a whole park. You can't just put up a statue. you got to have, like, a walkway in a, okay, a picnic right. area. So right. <laughs> like some restrooms. Okay, right keep the, the restrooms away from the statue. Right at the corner of uh, Dempster-Waukegan, very busy intersection, a little piece of land with uh, with a little playground for the kids, a little um, male-female restroom for emergencies. You know, no, keep, the, keep, the, keep the, what do you call it, the playground by the kids right where the trail the railroad tracks are on the other side. No, stop it. Stop it! But I, I think that would be a good thing—a little a bust of you, a little statue of you. I was, uh, I was actually thinking outside the talk zone offices, all the employees here would walk in and sort of like the Notre Dame sign, where they, you know, play like a champion the day they touch the sign right before coming in. Everybody could rub your bald head right before coming in on the statue. Oh, I'm glad you said head. Yes. Well, it could <laughs> be your bust with your award-winning uh, calf muscle. Because I just want to let you know, Coach, there was a, there was a statue of a Scotsman Uh-oh. who wore a kilt, and we used to rub something on him oh, before boy. we walked, went out to the football field when I was oh, a fighting Highlander at McMurray this, College. This is not good. So, that's that's one of the yeah, problems with having a Highlander bald, as your nickname. Rub your bald head. I wasn't exactly sure what you were going to yes. have people right. rub on me. Thank you very much. Hey, Blue 42 football season right around the corner. How about that? All right, uh, let's move on for the NBA. Big dog, let's get to a little baseball action yesterday. Your beloved Chicago Cubs were off yesterday. Back in action, taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. I want to preview that game. But we got to get to the big story in Major League Baseball, not to exaggerate it too much, but the Boston Red Sox. America's next great dominant baseball team off to an 0-6 start. You called it a must game yesterday. Cleveland and Fausto Carmona knock them off one to nothing. Who would have thunk it? 6-0. Did you see oh, six lost, coach? Did you see how they lost? The only run they gave up was on the suicide squeeze, yep. and it was ridiculous. It was like when when I heard it, suicide squeeze, I'm like, oh, what a great call. Well, I, when I came home and saw the replay of it, well, she came home. I was outside, uh, so I didn't have to come home. I was already home. But, Coach, why is Kevin Euclid playing six feet behind the bag with a, a speedy guy up, one out and a guy at third? He, was- hit, he hit the... He, the the bunt was so perfect for a suicide squeeze because the guy made sure he got it down. You know, it was one of those things, and he didn't care how hard he hit it. He just hit it towards the third baseman because there was, you know, I mean, it was. An, I basically, I think, I might have been able to get that buck down, coach. That's mm-hmm. how far back Euclid was that he basically just had to put the bat out yeah. there. Didn't you, even need any technique. You noticed it, and there. so did uh, Azdrubal Cabrero, who got a big hit the day before <laughs> too for Cleveland. Uh, suicide squeeze in the eighth inning, one to nothing victory. The Red Sox at zero and six. I think it's great. Do you want and, to make it even better, Coach? But I, I, I want to hear your thoughts. But you want to, you know how they lost the game, the last side of the game? No. What uh, happened? The what tying happened? run uh, went around second base on a ground out, and they threw behind wow. him and got him out. Terry, Terry Francona, the manager, not a happy man. No, no, okay, so go ahead, Coach. What, what's going well, on? I was just going to make the overall comment, and this is not that I root for the Boston Red Sox, but I don't mean to be this revengeful, but I think it's great that they're having this 0 6 start, and it's great not only for baseball fans, but for sports fans out there, for kids, adults, without getting too philosophical. I think there's lessons to be learned there, Big Doug, and, you know, that everybody, you know, they brought in a couple of high paid players, they got a powerhouse ball club excuse me all this talent and everything and you know a what week Rep- into the season literally a week into the yeah. season and reputation alone does not do it you got to perform you got to play with an edge and i think it's a good lesson not only for the red sox i think it's a good lesson for all of us in sports business etc yeah and uh yeah and it also proves that and you can't say well uh 
you know, you can't go out and buy players. Well, you, maybe you can, but you definitely should try to keep your players because yep. if you want to ask Tampa Bay what it's like to be on the other end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. one team's buying players, the other team's losing players. Mm-hmm. And it's no good for Tampa Bay either as they're 0-6 and look absolutely pitiful. Coach, uh, yesterday when I was, if you moved to the White Sox uh, on that side of town in the White Sox home opener, so you know if the Red Sox are buying players, the Tampa Bay Rays are losing them. When the White Sox went up two nothing in that game yesterday, yep. You know, I turned to my buddy Brian. I'm like, this game's over with. Tampa Bay is not scoring three runs, and and I meant it. That's pretty sad that you you could just say a major league team is not scoring three runs today. Not when it's cold and foggy out. That team. I mean, I'm surprised they got one on the board yesterday. Sox went five one in their home mm-hmm. opener, and Edwin Jackson just looked dominant. But uh, you know, I'm not trying to throw cold water on Edwin Jackson. He has the possibility to be a number one starter coach, so it, it's good to see him go out there and dominate the team he's supposed to dominate. And he did 13 strikeouts, and he was just blowing people away. Awesome. awesome eight, eight innings, four hits, 13 strikeouts. He was outstanding, and he beat a pitcher you think, big dog, probably in the top five in the Major League Baseball, David Price. Coach, if David Price was starting for the White Sox, he'd be their number one starter, and he would win 22 games this year. He's going to play in Tampa Bay. He's going to win 13. And we're going to look back and be like, wow, he had a great season. He's only going to win 13 games. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, the Rays are really, really bad, Coach. Sox beat him 5-1. to one. Jamie or James Shields is going to be on the mound for Tampa Bay today, taking on John Danks. Outside of the fact that it's cold and windy and rainy outside, Big Dog, it'll be a lovely day for baseball at Comiskey Park. You know what? If if you're a Chicago White Sox fan now and have a Friday off, what a good way to start the weekend. Yeah, it's an afternoon game, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but you don't want to go today. Are you kidding me? Come on, it's brutal out there. You're talking to me, Coach. I think this is one of the I – see, I can handle a little cold weather, okay? I can throw on the jeans, throw on some nice boots that go with the jacket. Yeah, but you got, you got cold and – Go out to the game, drink a couple beers, have a good time, not be totally crowded, go to the restroom, come back within – 40 seconds, and by the way, I did, I did wash my hands, people. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, I, I, no, Coach, don't tell me I don't want to go to the game on a day like this. These are the days that I absolutely love. Because- These are the days of my life. Well, you know, the cold I can handle, but you combine the cold with the wet. Well, and I'm then you throw in a little wet. bit of wind, and you got the sport of baseball, which is a slow-moving game. And again, I love baseball, but... Uh, not sure I'm with you on that, Big Dog. It's just not. No, a- I, I, I got to tell you, I, I would go to these games by okay. myself. When I lived in the city, mm-hmm. going to like the second game of the year was a tradition I had, uh, going with myself by myself, and I did it like five years in a row when I lived in the city. It was, mm-hmm. it was just like I don't know a tradition because it was kind of cool to be the day before. There's forty thousand Cup fans acting like idiots, and two days later because there always be the day in between the mm-hmm. the home opener and they, so. That would usually be a Wednesday. There would legitimately be forty. I mean, uh, 20,000 seats sold, mm-hmm. but there would only be about 3,000 people in the park, and I'm not kidding you. I mean, that happened consistently. Yeah, we, we've talked about this before. I'm with you in the theory of I actually would enjoy going to the game and sitting by myself. And just, you know, baseball is such a... <sighs> such see, a I'd have the radio in one ear. You know, I'd be listening to the Pat and Ron show in one year, mm-hmm. and you can hear what all other 3,000 people in the park are saying. Yeah, so but like, you, legitimately, it, if you want to make fun of a player, it's really a good day for, for uh, <laughs> and I like them. I, I don't swear, and I don't mm-hmm. cross the line. 
But I will, I will taunt ball players. And I swear to you, I've had players on the field laughing, especially in those days. You know, I'll sneak down, you know, and next thing you know, I'm, I'm bringing up somebody's 0 for 30 streak or something. And mm-hmm. you, you have no idea, coach. Cause I'm well, you know, if, if it's done with a sense of humor, I can approve that a little bit, but I'm, I'm not a big supporter of, uh, Jawing at the players, or you know the the boo. I think people booing. It looks completely ridiculous. Coach, the, I think one of the best days I ever had. Nineteen ninety eight, second uh, game of the year. Who could forget New York, it? New York Mets come into town. Brian McRae, former Cub, yep. who all he did was rip the Cubs right when he was traded away. Okay, that's quite all right. You want to rip the Cubs? That's fine. So no, he comes into town and I just start ripping everything he absolutely did wrong with the Cubs. And I have to admit, even Carlos Baerga is on the on deck circle, and he I say something to him, and he laughs, and he's wearing the number eight, and this is the fat Carlos Baerga. Uh-huh. So I say, hey, you're wearing the number eight. It's like having your picture on the back of your uniform. Quit laughing. <laughs> okay, so other Mets start laughing because uh-huh. in the I'm in the first row, right behind the Mets uh, on deck circle. Okay, coach. <laughs> now McCray gets up, and I'm making fun of the fact that he only had like. 37 RBIs for the Cubs the year before. And he drives a run in. Okay, now it makes it uh, like a one-run game. And he eventually scores that inning. And I'm not kidding you, Coach. He scores the run. And while he's, like, touching home plate, he's eyeballing me with sunglasses on. By the way, he has sunglasses on, and it's, it's totally cloudy out. And he's, he's, like, walking back to the dugout, strutting, and he's eyeballing me. I'm like, hey, you scored a run. And uh, he, like, doesn't acknowledge me, turns his head, and he stands on the top of the dugout to go in, and he's got metal cleats on, mm-hmm. and it's cement, and it's wet. His feet slide out from underneath him, <laughs> and he lands, like, on his tailbone, boom, right on his butt, Oof. right in front of me. Coach, I let out a cackle, and everybody in the whole our section saw what happened. McCray was out for like three or four days after that. <laughs> I'm he, not kidding you. He injured he his fell, injured his sacrilegious muscle. Uh huh. Oh, let coach. that let that be a lesson to all the ball players out there. If you're listening, any of the uh, <laughs> who's at home today, and the Tampa Bay player, big dogs at the ballpark, don't mess with the big dog. Take the taunt. <laughs> don't look back at him. Just go up to the plate, take your swings, and concentrate on the game. Uh, that that's uh, that is a true story. I got one with Frank Thomas that will take a little. Uh, I don't know if you'd appreciate it because I got a little personal with that one. You remember Elmer Moose Vasco? He was probably before your time, but you heard. Yeah, him. you know I, I've heard of him, okay. but I've not. I never saw him play. Coach. Defenseman for the Chicago Blackhawks, large individual of uh, some version of redhead, Elmer Moose Vasco. I still remember uh, me and a couple of friends. We're probably ten or eleven or twelve at the time, and we we had planned when he comes near us to all yell out, "Hey, Moose!" Well, he's going for a puck, and we had pretty good seats at that point. And I remember him, uh, uh, you know, chasing down a puck, a couple guys behind him. We all yell out, hey, Moose. He looks up at us, and the two guys behind him, about one second later, proceed to clobber him into the boards face first, and he goes down on the ice temporarily knocked out. <laughs> Elmer Moose Vasco. <sighs> All right, 888-463-6748, the phone number. If you ever distracted a fan or uh, distracted a player, rather, or caused some kind of embarrassing moment, feel free to give us a call. Big Dog, longtime heckler and sports reactionary. Here on the two guys at a mic show, we got to get to the Masters Golf Tournament. But uh, just to wrap up baseball from yesterday, Big Dog, we already covered the Sox beating Tampa Bay. Um, Philadelphia knocked off the Mets 11 to nothing. Roy, happy holiday with another... 
Happy holidays. Tremendous performance. He goes, what, seven innings, gives up a couple of hits. I think a five or six hits. He scattered them. I love yeah. when they scatter hits. Uh, so I, I was very good at scattering hits, except they tend to come in bunches yeah, but, a little bit more. Yeah, but when you were only a, like a one-inning reliever, that yes. usually wasn't too good. Yeah. <laughs> I scattered six really hits. They were all in the... over a third of an inning. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't quite doesn't quite have the same effect. Huh? No, no. no. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee knocked off Atlanta four to two, three out of four for the Brewers. They're taking on the Cub. We got to mention Houston beating Cincinnati. The Reds, the Red Stockings, who fans thought they had a shot at going one sixty two and zero. You have to call Cincinnati the best team in baseball. Well, they lost yesterday in Houston. Well, you don't have to call them that anymore. They lost. Okay. All right, because it, it was it was odd because Houston. Had not won a game all year. Cincinnati hadn't lost a game all year. Both those streaks come to an end courtesy of the Astros 3-2. to two. Yeah, and the, the, um, the Reds so far this year, I know the, yeah, the Astros finally got off the schneid. The Astros aren't very good, Coach. I no. guarantee Pittsburgh does not finish in last place this year for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Astros first and foremost. Uh, you know, the Reds are hitting three thirty eight going into that game. Isn't that amazing? They're hitting three thirty eight. They're throwing the ball unbelievable, catching it unbelievable, playing against the uh, a losing team, a team that hasn't won yet, and they lose for the first time all year. Mm-hmm. Top just, of the ninth. Baseball is difficult. Oh yeah, again, you know, we're kidding. Obviously, nobody's going to go one sixty two and zero. I don't think the Cincinnati Reds are going to challenge the Seattle Mariner all time regular season record, but they do got a heck of a ball club, and they're the favorite. In the National League Central, of course, we've all seen what happens to the favorites, including the Boston Red Sox. By the way, that's the, the Chicago Cubs all-time single-season win record. Just I throw that out there. What's that? The most wins for a season. I mean, the Cubs are tied with them, but the Cubs had a lot less losses. So we don't have much as Cubs fans. So I'm going to just, whenever, I'm just going to have to step out and mm-hmm. just throw that in there, Coach. Okay, thank you very much. One other note before the uh, Masters Golf Tournament concludes our show. You want to talk some golf with us? Me and the big dog are couple of hack golfers, recreational golfers at best, but we do become experts uh, four or five times a year when the major tournament is coming up the Friday before. We'll break it down with you and or just break down a little bit of combination of both. Uh, we'll talk some Masters. You want to call up on the golf, 888-463-6748. Real quick, though, Big Dog, I don't know if you're going to be getting out to uh, whatever racetrack it's at, but the Illinois Derby will be run this weekend, one of the great lead-ups to the Kentucky Derby. And there, the horse is the favorite. This might be the best name that I've ever heard for a horse. That's the whole. That's a. That's going out there, Coach. Watch me go. All one word, all together. Okay. But I, you know, it's not. It's not too out there. It's not too bizarre. But I love that name. Watch me go. It's a good name. Yeah. It's a good name. I, I, I'm definitely not going to say that was the best name of a horse. Uh-huh. Hopefully, on, you know, on, somebody call us up here and give us a better name. You know but what? Watch good. me go has got engraved on his butt. You know what they engraved on? Goodbye. It says no. Enjoy the view, or get get used to the view. <sighs> Kentucky Derby only twenty six days and counting. Big dog. Not a Philly, is it? Huh? It's not a Philly, is it? I don't think so. All right, good, because that'd be a weird thing to tattoo on a Philly. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. But uh, all right, so we got the Illinois Derby coming up. Kentucky Derby countdown has begun, but right now we got maybe the biggest golf tournament of the year. The marquee one. They throw on a green jacket to the winner, Big Dog. Yesterday, uh, low scores across the board. Golfers were on their game. The conditions were good. K.J. Choi, Y.E. Yang shot 67s, only to be outdone by Rory McIlroy. And here we go, a guy we've never heard of before. A young Spaniard by the name of Alvaro Cueros shoots a 65, Big Dog. We can only hope that what happened to other young one-day sensations does not happen. 
to young, very likable Elvira. You know, that guy will probably play golf for the next 30 years of his life, but the next time we'll hear of him, it'll be a, a transvestite <laughs> prostitute institute somewhere in Barcelona. Okay. <laughs> oh, the guy's just enjoying the greatest moment of his pro career, and you throw that at him. Well, he's, you know it's not going to continue. There's always some dude, some guy we have never and never will hear of again. There's a, it's too bad the guy just destroyed his career. <laughs> Alvaro Quiro's career just being written off by the big dog, Joe Radwanski. You know what's even worse, though? The, the Masters will do that to you every year. Yep. Uh, the U.S. Open every once in a while, but the British Open, it's unbelievable. If you're leading the British Open on day number one and you're mm -hmm. a nobody, it's over with. Really. Really. It's, your career's done. Some guy that's 450th in the world somehow got an exception and got onto the you're, – you're over with. Mm-hmm. So how, how do those guys? How come it happens every year? Is it because they have absolutely no pressure on them, coach? And mm -hmm. every, they're, like, they're the forgotten guy. They have two guys following around on mm -hmm. the, you know, uh, on their round. And next thing you know, they're the ones with the minus seven. Well, and then all of a sudden, people follow them on day two, and they're like, "Wow, this is what pressure golf is like." And they shoot the eighteen. That actually happened to the co-leader, I think Rory McIlroy, who also shot a sixty-five. If memory serves me correct, he was leading the British Open last year after one day. Shot like mm -hmm. a 65, 66, day two, and he's a young kid out of Northern Ireland. Uh, day two, he shot an 80, absolutely blew up. So the pressure can get to you, no question about it, especially in a sport like golf. Yeah, and especially if you're Irish leading the British Open. Oof, that's okay. real pressure. Yeah, seriously, because, yeah, that's you get somebody from Great Britain has a chance to win it, and all of a mm -hmm. sudden, you know, they're doing stories about, you know, your cousin back, you know, in 1742 <laughs> saved a barrel of Guinness. You know what I mean? What is, so. Oh, goodness. Uh, all right. Tiger Woods shot a 71. Phil Mickelson a 70. Both of them five, six shots back. It's obviously only after day one, but good stuff to watch. Should be good drama. Weather conditions, very good. Big dog. The beer is cheap. The fans are uh, out in droves, and Augusta, good time should be had by all. Let's hope we can sit down Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening via the tape machine, watch the uh, back nine of a exciting finish to the Masters. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, it, it's looking up. Even if you don't know these people, it's pretty, pretty fun to watch the, the back nine. So I, I definitely mm -hmm. will have it on tape. Folks. Yeah, and I've always said I enjoy and I'm not a golfer, but I enjoy it because I enjoy competition and all the drama and emotions that go with it. But I think golf is so unique in that. We talked about this before, Big Dog. And again, any Masters fans out there, golf fans, give us a call, 888-463-6748. But it's like, you know, football, basketball, hockey, you can go out there and hit somebody. You can go out there and get the cardio going. You can get fired up and juiced up golf as the pressure builds. It is such a fine-tuned sport where there is no running, there's no hitting. There's no punching. There's no checking. You have to keep your swing, and, and you know one little thing goes wrong, and that shot is off kilter. So I find that the mental part of it so fascinating when the pressure builds in a back nine. And uh, you know we've had we've had doctors on shows before, and yes. they talked about how your adrenaline rate will go up when you're in a pressure situation in sports, coach. And no matter who you are, whether you're the, the most clutch person ever or the most relaxed person ever, or the your it goes up. And what ends up happening is when that happens, like your shoulders draw nearer. Yep. So if you don't do something about it, if you don't adjust that, 
you, your stroke will be messed up. And that's why people do tend to choke and, and hit stuff off when they, it should be an easy shot. And uh, if you remember, we had that, we've had two different people on, and yep. one of them was like, you have to relax your jaw and let it hang, and then that will relax the rest of your body. Mm-hmm. And another person was like, it was like how you had to stand with your shoulders and like stretch them out. And, and realize that your body is not in alignment because it's a pressure situation mm-hmm. and you actually had to relax and like, and bring your heart rate down before mm-hmm. you did your swing. And if you didn't do that, you you would, if you practice a swing a hundred thousand times, but you didn't practice it with your shoulders all shrugged up, then your and then your shot's going to be off. Mm-hmm. And it, it, isn't it funny? It's a mental game. You have to remember, Hey, I have my adrenaline going. I have to relax yeah. the shot. Wait. So you have to remind yourself that yeah, I know it's clutch, but don't worry about it. And it's not only, Funny, but it's true. I mean, I, I found with that. I think the guy's name was Jim Fannin, who had told us about the jaw, and I've used that in different situations. And it's absolutely correct. You exercise your jaw, loosen it up. It does relieve pressure, big dog. The mental can affect the physical, and vice versa. The jaw. And I, I, I talk about learning from a guest on our various radio shows. That was a great. Case in point, I've actually used that in practical situations. Do you remember the the guy who talked about who was it? Angela Barrero. Who was the guy that was leading Augusta on day four? Yeah. And they totally, like, basically, if he would have got it on the green, mm-hmm. he would have been up two or three strokes. But then he he missed it. It rolled off into the water, and he ended up tied. And then, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, Angel Barrero was that his name? Well, there's an Angel Cabrera. Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's it. Mm-hmm. Who ended up winning a couple of years later? But of course, and John Vandevelde had the most famous blow up of all time. Yeah, but, but his uh, was a missed shot and then a bunch of bad decisions. Yep. You know, so mm-hmm. you, I mean, obviously, on the first missed shot when he messed up at at the British Open, he should have relaxed and did all that. But yep. I mean, do you really have to decide to do uh, like four mental farts in a row to try to, to try an incredible shot when all you got to do is just get it back mm-hmm. up on the mm-hmm. on the fairway? Prior to winning the big one, Phil Mickelson had that problem. He had a bad shot and then tried to gamble his way out of it like a gambler trying to get out of their debt, and he would dig himself deeper into a hole. Oh, do you remember the one U.S. Open the year before he finally won the Masters when he had never Oof. won a uh, yep. major at that point? And he hit a horrible shot that he did just what, like, afterwards people, and I even thought of it, Coach, I mean, we, we talked about it the Monday after. We wondered if it was such a huge traumatic experience for him if he'd ever win again. And, of course, obviously they had the PGA PGA after that year, which he didn't win, but it was that bad that we wondered if he was a broken Mm -hmm. man forever in the sport he loved. Well, he he answered that question, by the way, and obviously he wasn't, (laughs) but you're right, that was bad. Hey, real quick, before we let the show go, I had to do this on behalf of my uh, kids who will be uh, heading out to Jolie at your old town, Big Dog, for a huge paintball battle and i said i know the big dog will have some advice for you because i think you've been out at that place it's a paintball war they're going out there i had to sign like eight pages of uh medical and insurance releases yesterday but any advice for the young paintballers out there as they go to war quite simple bring your own gun okay because one out of every five people will have their own gun and you'll notice that one out of the five people are dominating everybody else the guns they give you out there are good. The ones that you could bring by yourself, mm-hmm. and basically the cost of the rental compared to the cost of the gun, if you go out there three times, it'll pay for the gun. You, it shoots 100 feet further. You can dominate the course is the best way I'm telling you. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you, Coach. You get one of those real paint guns out there, mm-hmm. you won't ever get hit, 
and it, it'll basically yeah. all the frustration you have because you can't play football will be it'll, they'll go away. You're, you're only as good as your machinery. Well, out there, yes. And now, okay. if all your buddies are, have the rental ones with a good time, but if one of your buddies, oh, I brought my own gun, make sure he's on your team. Period. <laughs> and I'm some, not kidding you. Yeah, that's some practical, but because we're not going to be able to get a gun between then and now. But I can tell them that tonight. If anybody does bring their own gun when they split up teams, put that guy in your team. Yes. You, yeah. Trust me. You want right. that guy. Because I tend to be the targeted one in groups. <laughs> And I can't imagine say, why. Yeah, let's just say this one guy like had it in for me, and he had one of those power guns. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he was a full nerd, and he's like, "Dude, man, I was pounding on you. You weren't even. You could take it." I was like, "Man, yeah, real funny. Wait until we get out of here." And then we played a game called President, which meant that no matter you can be hit as so the bachelor got to pick people to protect him, and there's there's a group of like forty of us on this on this event. Down to about ten he, seconds. He can pick three people. Of course, he picked me and somebody else. I got shot over 400 times. So. <laughs> That's something that you – trust me, I'll remember the story, Steve. We can talk All about right. it some other day. All right. Big Dog, we got to wrap it up. Have a great weekend, okay? Great job You're this too, week. Guys. Uh, we'll talk to you Monday. We'll wrap up the Masters and the baseball action. David Olson, producer extraordinaire. Go out for a round of golf on us, David. Even if you don't play, go out for a round. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday at 10 o'clock, talkzone.com. Two guys and a mic signing off. Enjoy, everybody.